0: The views and opinions of The Edge podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government.
1: Welcome to The Edge, the Education USA global exchange podcast, broadcasting from the central nervous system of our global network, Washington, D.C.,
2: And welcome back to the Edgy Education USA global exchange. Today we are talking about and building enrollment pipelines through the Education USA network, and we have two very special guests with us. Lewis, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, my name is Lewis Cardenas. I'm the React for South Asia, currently based in New Delhi, India.
2: And Joe Ben, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Yes, uh, my name is jo Ben Rivera-Thompson. Um, I am the Marketing and International Outreach Coordinator at Central Georgia Technical College in Warner Robins, Georgia.
2: So today we are going to be talking about pipelines and how do we build pipelines. And we sort of want to talk about building pipelines as opposed to individual student recruiting, right? So the three of us have all done the individual student recruiting, we've all been on the road, we've all done the fairs, we've all gone to the high schools or the universities or you know wherever it is we're recruiting from. And we've done that to recruit students, typically for the next cycle. Maybe we, you know, talking to someone for a couple of years out, right? But it's sort of a one and done. We go, we meet someone, we recruit them, we bring them in, we get back out on the road, right? We we do sort of the next individual. Um, but what we're talking about here today is really building pipelines from specific locations, it doesn't have to necessarily be a location. We can talk a little bit about that, but sort of how are we building pipelines? And obviously, specifically, how are we using the Education USA network to build these pipelines, these enrollment pipelines? Um, so, Joben, do you want to say anything about pipeline building and and what that means to you?
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I don't mind. Um, so for me, pipeline building, um, just kind of getting to know Education USA and. And their structure began sort of with curiosity, right? Uh, just as I was placing this role, uh, Education USA was having one of its virtual summer sessions, and while study abroad and student exchange and mobility and international recruitment were on my mind, I couldn't overlook the potential for international student recruitment and building relationships with Education USA advisors. Um, and I think that's a big part of being a community college, being a technical college is first and foremost building relationships with um, people across your service area, but also um, your nation and, and, and the world, right? Um, so it's, it's really an intentional effort from us to find uh, ways in which that broaden our, our, our outreach, broaden our international perspectives. Uh, and of course, pipeline building is one of those things that puts us in direct relationship with uh, those people who best know students who can come to our uh, campus from international places.
2: Yeah, and so this is again, when we're juxtaposing it to international, uh, sorry, to individual recruiting, this is sort of that relationship building effort. Maybe it's with um, Education USA advisor, maybe it's with a, col- a high school counselor, um, sorry, a college counselor within a high school, um, but it's really about building those relationships so that you can call upon those those folks in those places over and over again, um, to, to start build, building that pipeline of students. Um, Lewis, what about you?
1: Yeah, great question. In terms of just uh, putting on my uh, former HCI hat, I'd have to say definitely build, taking advantage of building pipelines whenever you're on the conference circuit, uh, whether that's domestically or abroad, just taking advantage of, of having good meetings with guidance counselors, uh, university administrators, so you can start planning on, see, that seed that hopefully might lead to a future trip, but if not, at least... Trying to help identify some students that that could potentially be good fits for uh, for your institution. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about some examples later on, but, but definitely utilizing uh, guidance counselors, university staff, whether you're recruiting grad or undergrad, um, without necessarily having to go uh, recruit in person.
2: So you know we talk a lot about road warriors, and you know of course Education USA hosts. You know a number of fairs throughout the year virtual in person um and that is is a specific skill set right um and you know you generally need someone who's outgoing who's who's obviously knowledgeable and who can really relate to the students um what skills are necessary for pipeline building and how is that different joe ben
0: i think it takes a, a little bit of an awareness of who your students are um, also who you know the the commonalities that both of your communities serve uh, in terms of um, your guidance counselors or your your Education USA professionals. Um, you know, in particular, in getting to know some of the people who are in the Southern Cone um, of Latin America through Education USA and elsewhere. Um, you know, one of the things that is common between us and our position here in Central Georgia and also uh, across the world is this emergence of technological and industrial resurgence. Um, which is something that our curriculum developers, our institution is working to partner with um, places here. and so I think that um, a key component of pipeline building is awareness right is knowing uh, what areas of the world, what areas um, your your partners are um, have identified that match yours and can help you find students who are um, going to fit your institution um, and be successful at your institution
2: yeah and that that, that's a really um that's a really key thing you know i what i found when i was um at, at a university is um a lot of the driving of pipeline building came through our you know speaking primarily from a grad perspective came through our faculty, right, and like, oh, we should be recruiting in this particular place, or I have contacts in this particular place, or I'm interested because this particular country has this new initiative, you know, like you're saying, like a techno technological initiative or something like that, and so, you know, we think there's an opportunity to bring in more students to help prepare them for this, this specific thing, right, and so you're sort of looking at um like the the like sort of workforce development like within a country or you're looking at you know some of the sort of technological advances advancements within a country right and that could be a whole episode of like how do we identify these things and who brings us these ideas right and I think part of that is certainly the network right and coming to forums whether they're the DC forum or or a regional forum you're gonna get to know kind of what's happening more on the ground. Um, again, not just with students but with the countries themselves and how they are um, sort of approaching their, their own higher education, their own extended education. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a different skill set on the front end with the research, and then sort of on the, sorry, on the back end with the research and then on the front end, as you're sort of building
1: those relationships.
2: Um, Louis, can you talk a little bit about building some of those relationships in your experience?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I did want to point out in terms of just setting as you were talking about expectations, just, you know, pipeline starts with one. Right. Um, and then hopefully builds upon that. So setting realistic expectations, making sure that's communicated to your superiors at at your institution. Um, another uh, key point I just want to address in terms of like working with Education USA and and folks on the ground, you know, just you know, we we know what we need, and that's students, right? We need warm bodies, bill seats. But um, taking the approach of what what do they need? You know, what going to an education university advisor and say, "Hey, I'm going to be available to talk to students either virtually, or I'm going to be at X, Y, Z." Um, is what would what would be helpful for you? Would it be connecting with alumni, parent sessions? Any topics of importance that would be helpful to you, and I think taking that approach, um, I think creates success in terms of starting those conversations and, and talking about pipeline building. Hopefully, creating that presence, right um, that that you want there is is taking that approach as opposed to the traditional route where you know you just go, you you attend the college fair, you. You just assume like you're going to talk to students about your institution only, but not necessarily even suggest any topics that might actually be fruitful for the audience that you're, you're trying to engage with.
0: I think you're so right about that, Louis. Um, just inviting um, Education USA advisors or whoever, is it is you're building a pipeline with into the conversation um, about the things that you're doing at your institution and how do we support you and get students um, to our institution um, you know, one of the things that I'm working now with um, an education you had essay advisor in Brazil, um, with educate Education Bon Jesus uh, in Brazil, is, you know, even just looking at the the marketing materials that we have and sharing those and not being so, you know, institutions get so uh, insular in nature with with those types of information pieces and they want to have complete control. But even the design and how it will look and how it will be presented to students. I think those conversations about um, you know what's what's best to say about your English language protocol, what's best to say about testing, what's best to say about student housing or whatever it is, Hearing that from those who are on the ground in other places, that's a, a key part of pipeline building to me.
2: Okay, so Lewis, I wanted to go back um, to something that you said the pipeline starts with just one student, right? And what is the difference between going into a market and recruiting individually and going into a market? And really building a pipeline right and you know, in my experience, my pipeline building was typically in harder markets right like if you think of markets that are very have a lot of a lot of students, maybe they have a lot of money, right, a lot of opportunity. Maybe if they don't speak English, like they have a lot of opportunity to build those English skills early on. Those are kind of places where you don't necessarily need quote unquote pipelines, right? The pipelines are already built in, right? So we're looking at places that it might be, you know, more difficult to to get students from. It might be places where maybe you're only trying to get four or five students from this particular place, right? But you want to do that year after year after year. One of the rules that I had is if we were truly going to try to to build a pipeline someplace it had to be a three-year effort so we weren't going to go in and have year one and not get any students and then be mad about it and go away, right? Because it takes more time than that. And so my general approach was, well, that first year is one, us getting the lay of the land. Like what is is an opportunity for us, right? Who do we need to know? Going in country and trying to figure out, you know, which way is up and which way is down. Maybe get an application or two, probably not get a student, frankly, right? And that's okay. And we need to be okay with that. Not everything has to have a solid ROI all the time. Then you go in year two, and you start to like get applications from students. You know, if by year three we're not actually seeing students on campus, then it's time to sort of reevaluate. One, what are we doing? Two, is this the right market for us? Um, but that three-year commitment for me was really critical. There were times when when we didn't do the three years because of some social, political something, but by and large, that was our general rule with pipeline building as we spend three years in, in that particular market. Did you guys, in your experience, do you have sort of rules or guidelines that you follow as you're building pipelines?
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, jump in, Adina. I think the, the three to five year uh, plan was really what, what I was told by more seasoned uh, admissions folks uh, when I first started uh, international uh, recruitment. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a good, Good situation is i i was one of the first uh recruiters to go to burma and i worked closely with the education usa based out of the american center of rangoon there in addition to uh the, the guidance counselors from the international schools and then a non-for-profit that uh, did after school uh, academic skill development trying to get students more prepared, especially from the local school system. And I I went in more with that exploratory phase to say, you know, this is a, a off the beaten path location. Maybe it might be a good fit. At the time I was working for a small private institution. So again, in terms of ROI, one student would have been a huge success. But surprisingly, even after the first year, we ended up with four, four students. So you know that made it easier to go back, but Maintaining that relationship, though, with 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 the guidance councils, with the uh, not for profit organization, with Education USA and, and finding out like I, you know, like, I know Joe Ben mentioned went in all my materials ready. And I didn't realize that when I had to face a, a hurdle and that was working with the local school students and trying to figure out how their school system would actually work out because it didn't follow the international school system. So I had to then go back to my institution and try to find out a plan or find out how to make it possible for local school students to be able to come to the institution that I was representing with. So, you know, part of that, and I think you might've mentioned it too, is you, you've gotta do some 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 research, right? And I, I probably being a, a newer recruiter didn't do as much research or maybe I just didn't have enough access to Burma in, in general. But you know, having gone there and and having that first year to really uh, try to figure, uh, get the lay of the land as you as you say, to figure out what I need to come back with to be even more successful the second and third time around. And eventually, you know, by by the fourth year, I, I didn't have to go twice a year, or I only went once every two years because I maintained that that contact. With the guidance counselors through, you know, through email or at conferences, things like that, where my my presence necessarily wasn't physically needed as much as, you know, the first uh, three years.
0: Yeah, I think when you're working with so many varying educational systems, different guidance counselors, personalities, it takes time. And time is really devoted to building relationships, as Lewis said, getting to know those systems. And, and so I think three to, to five years at a minimum is a smart approach It's wise. Um, I think Lewis had some great people speaking into his life and giving him advice uh, about that, because uh, it definitely is going to take time.
2: So, Ben, when you talk about that, I mean, obviously the research is one thing, but, you know, you meet you meet an advisor, right? Or you meet a college a high school counselor how do you maintain those relationships? What What are you doing in that process? What does that mean to maintain the relationship?
0: First and foremost, being communicative. I, I think you know there's there's lots of times when when you're working in an international context where people get overwhelmed with trying to find the right student for your institution or you're looking for a certain type of student um, that you want to come in and be successful at your institution you know communicating across those challenges those conversations just as lewis mentioned you know whether where their system is is different and it doesn't follow an international standard right if you're communicating and letting someone know that you're responsive, that's the biggest step. Because too many times uh, in a situation where you can't get a hold of someone, you can't get the information you need out of them, uh, and really for a pipeline to be successful, for a partnership to work, um, there has to be some form of communication that is continuous. And so that's where I started, just having that background of communications and, and marketing and coming to this now in international outreach. There's, there just has to be steady communication at all times.
2: Lewis, what do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. Communication is key. And and also, too, just you'll know, I think, after the first couple of times or couple of emails, you know, how well you gel with the person, you know, the on the other side, right? So whether you're comfortable adding them on your your Facebook or your social media sites or adding them to your holiday card list, things like that, um, you know, and and keep it in mind, too, like, you know, they're... If, if you've got a good relationship, you got a good rapport, you know, you also want to take time, right? And they're they're busy individuals, take time, take them out to eat if you're able to, right? And and try to at least build that not only professional relationship, but now, you know, borderline professional slash a friend. And I think that in, in our large but small community of international educators, I think that's not a difficult thing to do. Like we all, we all have those people that that we just gel with or that we've just been working with. Right. And it all starts with just a, you know, awkward email. Hey, I'm going to be in so-and-so place. And then you go and then you find out like, Oh my gosh, this person's background is just mind blowing. Like they've worked in some places you've never even heard of. And then, you know, like year after year. Right. And, and that's why that, that commitment that three to five years is so key. Um, Adina is because, if you don't have that, right, if, if your institution just thinks by year one, you're just going to get the flood dates are going to open of these students. That's that's not realistic. Right. Especially in oversaturated markets. And, you know, the landscape has changed so much. Like, you know, I, I was recruiting, you know, 10 years ago. Things are much different now. There are many more institutions that are now recruiting overseas than there were. Uh, 10 years ago so competition is it's gotten greater so you have to uh, identify those champions you know that you can work really well with you that have best students interests in mind that know your institution that'll keep keep your institution in in the back burner in terms of um you know if if when they're trying to find good fits or when their students are trying to find good fits
0: i was going to follow up on what uh, lewis said just you know and getting to know some of the Education USA advisors in one of the last um, conferences we were at, um, and, and sort of Lewis is talking about just conversations and having good communication and, and being, I think, being a human, right, being relatable um, is really important. And, and I, I just recall conversations that we had, you know, the first 15 minutes of really talking, it was about, I think, food and family genealogies. Uh, and so it, it it didn't really have much to do about recruitment or about this certain type of student we want to try and get or what's our next plans over the next three or five years. It was like, why does this croissant taste so good? Uh, and where does my family come from that might be similar to where yours comes from? So uh, I think uh, that type of communication goes a long way. Just being a friend, being relatable um, and being nice.
2: Yeah. And I was going to say, um, you know, I think for people who, who are new to this business, who are maybe younger, new, newer in their careers, there is this like, oh, build and maintain relationships. Like, what does that mean? Right. And it really, you guys have like sort of narrowed this down, like succinctly, right. It's about genuine human connection. Right. And it doesn't always have to be about, um, about work, right. It's like, how, you know, how can you connect with people on a genuine level? How can you, it, I, you know, I just, yeah, it's friendships, right? It really is friendships. Like we try to be all professional about it, but at the end of the day, these are friendships that that you're building. Um, I cannot agree with you more, Jaban, about responsiveness. I was thinking about this as you said it. You know, I was sort of able to position myself, particularly in the graduate engineering space, as an authority figure within the Education USA network, and what that meant was I would get emails from advisors from all over the world just asking general questions about. About graduate engineering programs, right? Um, and they're they're sending me this email because they would need an immediate response. It's not something I can wait a week for, right? Because they're working with a student or whatever. And so I think that responsiveness is really important. Also, you know, I used to do things like when I would go in country, and whether it was the Education USA Center or you know, I, I did a lot of grad recruiting. So so universities, or even when I was would do um, some pitch hitting for our undergrad in high schools, I would always take the time to write a hand, handwritten card before I left the country. And I would go back the next year and they would have my card like up on the, on the bulletin board. You know, it's like sort of, how do you make yourself stand out? Everyone's sending, you know, electronic thank yous, you know, so here's just like a little handwritten note with my institution's logo on it, sort of just a nice connection there. And then it's just things like, you know, taking taking the time with them, like, like you were saying, sort of on a personal level, how do you get to know them? Making note of birthdays and you know holidays and, and those sorts of things. Those are really easy things to do now, particularly with social media. And so, you know, what, one of the things that I would suggest people do is have some sort of work social media accounts, whether that's LinkedIn or Facebook or, or whatever, whatever makes the most sense for you, but something where, where you can sort of maintain those connections over time, right? And they kind of see maybe you share. I do this on my Facebook, it's mostly. Work related, but then I share like little bits of my life that I think you know people like this might find interesting. Something that they might remember remember me for, right? As a as a as an individual, and so that's really nice, Lewis, I wanted to t- just sort of tell an anecdotal story about the research beforehand, um, and I want to say this was 2014 2015, but don't quote me on the on the on the year. Um, but I had written an Africa strategy for my institution and we hadn't really done a lot in Africa, um, Sub-Saharan Africa specifically. And I met with all the right people at my institution, right? I met with all the Africa experts. I met with students from different countries in Africa. Um, we had a Dean who had had a very high level role in Africa before coming to our institution. And so I did all those things, right? I sat down, I wrote the um, the strategy, and then I went to the Education USA africa forum i believe in ghana and accra and i met with the advisors i spent three days there with the advisors on a very personal level you know those uh, regional forums are are smaller and they're very intimate and when i walked away from that i had to go rewrite my whole strategy right because the information that i learned from them um, about what's going on in their country on the ground the opportunities the challenges it really um shifted I would say ninety percent of all this, these great ideas I had coming in. It was, it you know, kind of embarrassing for me to tell the story now because I was so like sure, like I had this down, and I was gonna like go confirm things. And the more that I talked to people, I was like, darn, I'm gonna have to go back and sort of redo this. And I'm glad I did, right? Because if we had sort of gone on the ground with with my with my plan um, based on just what was happening at my institution, that would have been a real mistake. But going out and and having these conversations. And getting to know people on a personal level, like you guys have said, you know, helped helped me. It really helped me. It saved me because then I could go back, rewrite the strategy, focus more in on the on the places that we needed to be. And less about sort of this Pollyanna like, oh, it would be nice if we could recruit here. And, you know, if you get so many students from this language, you know, family and so many students from this language family and things that just like look really nice on paper, but sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense. So as we're talking about pipeline building, you know, we put on here, maybe we could give some examples from a domestic recruiting perspective. Do you guys have anything to share domestically so we can sort of help people translate that into the international space?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, so one of our our biggest efforts here at Central Georgia Technical College has to do with high school dual enrollment, and so uh, the pipeline building that begins there is really just as the same as it would be for uh, Education USA advisors. Just talking to our counselors in high schools uh, and getting to know them, inviting them to events that we host as an institution. Uh, I think that's big. I know that Education USA, of course, is hosting events uh, for international enrollment. Opportunities, uh, but we, you know, we kind of do the same here domestically. So uh, one of the big events that we host is a, a more than scrubs event, um, and this happens um, early in the year in the spring, and we're trying to show people that uh, hospital systems are places of employment that offer opportunities that are more than just jobs where you wear scrubs, right? You have cybersecurity professionals, um, you have all sorts of industrial maintenance and electronics professionals who have to work in a hospital system. And so it's basically this whole event where we're showing students this large scope of industry that they have an opportunity to come and work through. And we do this uh, not only in health sciences, but we also do this in aerospace and trade and industry, uh, with our welding programs, with our industrial maintenance programs, and of course our aircraft structural and um, aircraft maintenance technology programs. We're, we're constantly inviting people to us. And that's a big part of communication is, is our invitation is always open. We're extending the invite to people to come and see what we do here and show them with the same energy and passion that we would show our students in the classroom. We show them when they come here. And I think that's important, especially for a technical college or a community college in general, is, is to show people exactly what do you do on a day-to-day basis. You know, they have a uh, everyone has a broader understanding of what a university or a larger college does, but they don't necessarily have a, um, an understanding of what we do uh, on a day-to-day basis and how we train our students. And so I, I think that open invitation to always come and see what we're doing Uh, to have some sort of event for our counselors to have an event for students to see how a hands-on technical career can impact their life for generations to come is super important
2: yeah and i'm thinking like how could that translate into the international space right and so certainly you know through videos or sort of sort of vr um but also you know we have our advisors who come in who come in country for conferences and stuff Uh, conferences and training mostly Um, we do campus visits with them you know and so what a wonderful opportunity to bring you know a group of advisors down to your campus and go through this with them right and get them thinking a little bit outside the box of the boxes of like sort of your traditional um pathways right and some some other some alternative options for students i think that 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 would be a great idea lewis did you have any um examples
1: yeah I was definitely going to mention the the Ed education usa campus host fly-ins any opportunity um because they're for the most part we're attending the common conference circuit either reacts or a handful of education usa advisors so there's always great opportunities if, if if your institution has the the funding support to be able to to host counselors that's that definitely makes a huge impact. I was also going to say the Education USA Forum, Global Showcase, meeting the advisors there. Again, even before you you are strategizing your recruitment plan, right? That's a great opportunity. You might meet an advisor and find out, you know what? I need to add this, this country to my recruitment plan or at least be strategic, right? Maybe I can make a stop on the way to you know, a, a major sending country or on the way back, right? And maybe that's a good way of convincing your institution to, to let you try, try out a new market or start building these pipelines, right? Um, I was also going to say, um, embassy visits to Washington, D.C. I know that's something not not a, a whole lot of institutions do, but but some of them do make sure that at least once a year they're visiting um uh, overseas embassies in, in, in Washington, DC and making those connections there, finding out about maybe scholarship opportunities, partnerships with universities, things like that. I think that's that's a good thing that can be done domestically. And and lastly for states that that have study state consortiums, um, again, I think that's that's another great opportunity to to engage domestically or find out what other institutions are doing, benchmarking. Um, hopefully hosting some virtual fairs for uh, either local schools or boarding schools and in the state that you're located. Again, a lot can be done domestically too
2: and going back to what you said, Jovan, about sort of these what did you say it? Not just scrubs is that is that the name of it?
0: It was more than scrubs
2: more than scrubs right and so thinking about an international market let's just take nursing that has a a real interest in like the nursing you know send, sending nurses developing nurses for for their own um workforce you know this is an opportunity right like i would see that as an opportunity to go into those places and say hey if you need nurses you need all these other things right there's no question there right and so sort of almost becoming this authority on sort of these these not just scrubs, you know, jobs right and these and the technical education needed around them. Right. And so I that to me like that to me seems like an obvious pipeline right there for you. Like, look at countries that are trying to build this workforce up of nurses or physicians or physical therapist or, or what, whatever that is and then all of that needs that all that technical support around it um and so that's i think a really good way of coming quote unquote becoming quote unquote an expert you know if i were if i were like consulting with you i would say like build a whole campaign around this um, and and do talks with education usa advisors high school counselors and then eventually students about sort of looking at careers outside of the traditional careers and i, I think. We have a lot of markets where, students, where parents still want students to go into engineering and going go into medicine right but there are so many other wonderful lucrative frankly careers that that students can have but we just have to sort of introduce it and you know have some success
0: stories right for for families i'm i'm definitely going to steal that idea I'll, I'll make note of it um, but i i think i think you're, you're spot on and, and one of the things that that i think is interesting for us to at a, at a technical college, because part of our mission, as you mentioned earlier, that keyword workforce development is we, I think we have a unique opportunity to show people in building our pipeline with international recruiters is to show them another pipeline of how we engage with industry. Um, so our position here in, the, in, in Central Georgia is one where we are um, surrounded by two major highways. Um, and we have a lot of Um, A lot of jobs that are dealing with logistics and logistics management, getting things from the port of Savannah all the way to Atlanta, which is a a huge city um, and a major business and industry. Uh, And so we're we're constantly in communication through our economic development and through our curriculum uh, development teams to see what industry needs. Um, So we get to show people from other countries, especially uh, we just had a visit from some folks from Brazil and one of our Education USA advisors uh, there, uh, Areta Galat um, came to visit us from Brazil. And, And one of the things that she was impressed with is just our level of communication that we have with business and industry telling us what jobs are needed. Um, and that's something that's not replicated across the world from my understanding that a lot of institutions don't have a structure where they're in communication with business and industry about the types of jobs that are needed and how they find students who can fill those jobs. so one of the things that we can share as an institution with those institutions across the world is, hey, be in conversation about what your industry needs and what your um, you know what your jobs are around you that that your Um, citizens can fill. And how do we help you show how we work with those um, to better our students? And then ultimately, if your students need to come and learn from that experience from us, they can do that too. So I I think it's a unique way to show two different pipelines, two very distinct pipelines but two important pipelines that help build students that are globally competent and and can do many skills.
2: And I don't want to like speak for your industry at all, but I would think that you all have the ability to be more agile when it comes to uh, workforce needs, Say you came to DC for an embassy visit and you met with the educational and cultural attache you know three different countries and they say oh i'm really interested in this. Or not I, but our country is really interested in this thing that's kind of adjacent to what you do, could you guys. Do a program like this for us, right? And I, you know, I don't want to speak for your institution specifically, but for a lot of a lot of institutions at the community college level, they're very workforce-minded. And so there's a lot of agility. And they say, yeah, like we, we could set that up. And if it's something completely different, no, that's not really what we do, but you might want to check with this institution. But if it's something sort of adjacent to what you're doing, there's some opportunity there. So I would say definitely, like if you can't get abroad. Um, go, just come to DC and meet meet with the um, the embassies, and that should be the question you're asking, right? Like, what is your workforce development plan in your country? What what are some of the workforce development priorities? What are the infrastructure, technical priorities in your country, right? And then you sort of match, repair them back, back to some of your programs. The other thing that we haven't touched on, and I'd be interested to see what work you guys have done here is alumni in those industries, right? And so if you're meeting with the Brazilian embassy, or you're meeting with the Education USA advisor in Brazil who says, oh, we're interested in X, Y, Z, how do you bring in, or how could you bring in, or how should you bring in alumni to that conversation?
0: Uh, So that's actually a really uh, great question. Um, One of the the things that I hope to accomplish uh, by visiting the Western Hemisphere Forum uh, in Costa Rica later this year is to have a conversation with um, the REAC for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Our our college is embarking upon some service-learning study abroad opportunities with polyclinics and and the healthcare system and Trinity School of Medicine is a partner with us uh, on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And to answer your question about alumni, we have one of our um, our board members actually is an alumni of the college, in, par- in our paramedicine program, and so our alumni to the ex- to the greatest extent with which we can facilitate are involved in this process uh, from the get-go. Uh, we want to show our students that we have successful alumni in programs like paramedicine that are involved in global opportunities in just being a successful student who has accomplished his or her goals and is giving back to our institution. So I think a very important piece for us is to engage our alumni and to ask them to really be spokespeople for our institution and for the types of program, our very specific programs that we have that impact our workforce.
2: So in thinking about starting to wrap this up, I guess I have two final questions for you. One is how is pipeline building different based on the nature of your institution, right? And then my second one is if someone comes to you and is new to this pipeline building thing, right? They Maybe they've been recruiting on the road for a few years or online because of the pandemic, but they really want to do something, a more concerted effort, a more strategic effort. How do you get them started? So how is it different at your particular type of institution? And then how would you get someone started in this? And
0: either of you can go. I think I was just taking some notes here, and I think that I can define just the nature of our institution really well, answer that question for you. I, I think it is what I would call uh, three S's, right? slow. Um, it, it's a technical college, so I think it, it has to be really intentional. It's going to move slower, um, but that's OK. Um, and, and it means that you have a greater time to develop relationships, greater time to be responsive and be communicative, like we've talked about uh, throughout this entire podcast. And then I think the next S is, is steady. It allows for an opportunity for you to see things like you mentioned, Adina, that work, things that don't work and really just navigate and process where you had success and where you didn't have success and reorganize and take the things you learned from Africa and come back to your institution and switch up and say, no, that's not going to work here. And then the last thing is being specific to what we talked about with workforce development um, and the types of programs and opportunities your institution has is um, showing people what you do, opening that invitation, and being really specific about the areas in which your institution can benefit students across the globe.
2: Slow, steady, specific. I like that.
1: I like that too. I don't know. How I'm supposed to follow that Joe and I was fantastic. I would just say in terms of working with Education USA, you know, the reacts are always a good starting point in terms of uh, reaching out to us. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to get too specific. I would rather get a very detailed email rather than one that looks like it went out to a hundred other people. Right. I really appreciate those that that make me. Do a little bit of, of research sometimes and just crafting a response back, whether it be you know, questions on you know, what cities should I visit or working with different entities, right? And and I think too is you know, using those existing pipelines and connecting folks where you might not be the best at, right? But you're gonna use one of your established pipelines and connect that person. And now great, they now have a new pipeline that they can now go. Uh, to for for assistance in that situation. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring one, one of the things that I get a lot of is our institutional partnerships where, you know, ed- Education USA really focuses on undergraduate and graduate student advising. Um, so we, we don't have necessarily always have the bandwidth, right, to get really into, you know, two plus two agreements or dual degrees or things like that. But there are other entities that we work with closely that we collaborate with, right? Established pipelines that, that we work with on a daily basis that might be a, a better uh, resource for you. So yeah, those those are just some things that that come to mind in terms of just working with Education USA in general.
2: And as you guys were talking, just kind of building on the slow, study and specific, I would also add to that, be disciplined, you know, in whatever your approach is, be disciplined in that. Um, there were many nights that I did not want to write thank you cards, <laughs> uh, but I did anyway. And I think that that was fruitful. There are, um, frankly, I'm, you know, solid eye on the, on the Myers-Briggs. There are dinners I don't want to go to that I force myself to go to. I have a general, I'm just a very curious person. And so typically those dinners turn out really well because I'll just like, you know, just asking questions about life in the country and all of those things. But um, I think being disciplined is important. Um, something that you both touched on is don't be greedy. That's one that I would say. The international education world by by and large we're good to our colleagues, you know, and I think I used to say to our recruiters, you know, nine out of 10 students you talk to are not going to end up at our institution, right? And that's okay, right? And so your your job is to listen to them. And then if you can refer them to someplace else that might be a better fit for them, then, then that isn't absolutely 100% appropriate use of your time. I I like the word interna- like the term international educator instead of international recruiter because I really do think that what we should be doing is educating people on this. And my last thing I'll just say, I'll just put that put this out there. All of this pipeline management and relationship building is really good for your career. <laughs> you know, and you'll you'll find other opportunities pop up along the way. I can say that per- you know, personally from my own experience, but I'm sure you guys have have seen this as well Um, as you build these relationships and you gain some sort of sort of authority and different parts of the field you know it's it's a good career builder and people are paying attention to you and you know people don't necessarily want to hire people that ha- they have to you know train from scratch or people who quote unquote don't get it you know um, and so you you should always think of this as an opportunity also for yourself even though you're not being greedy right you should think of this as, as an opportunity for yourself um, as well so i'm going to leave it at that any parting words advice, suggestions, thoughts from either of you.
0: I like the word disciplined, Adina, but for the sake of the S's, can we use structured?
2: Absolutely. I love it.
0: Other than that, this was great. I don't know if my co- my comments here will make it into the ending, but this has been good, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Lewis, did you have anything you wanted to end with?
1: No, I was just going to end with uh, just a fun, I you know, and, talking about this, I was thinking about just my pipelines in China. China was definitely the country that I visited the most 13 years, 79 times. So definitely pipelines in terms of guidance counselors there. But I remember there was just a student that we we had a special award at the institution I was working with, where it was almost like a full, full tuition but students had to like fly over and come in person. And I was always skeptical because I'm like, I think your flight costs, you know, <laughs> it's it's I don't know if it's good. This is a really tough competition. Well, it turns out the student that I was working with from Shanghai ended up winning the competition. But so I ended up talking to the guidance counselor that I had, you know, great relationship with. And we wanted to do something really special for the students. So I I had them on the on a Skype call. Skype call at the time and and I just approached it like you know a lot of students applied this and that, and the student was like ready for bad news and then slowly i I was able to get the guidance counselor to um arrange to pick up some flowers so we could surprise the student and I gave the student the great news that they had won the competition and they won the full tuition scholarship to to come to the institution, so again it was just and it was just fun to you know, work with that guidance counselor and do something a little bit different, right? You talked about not sending an email, right? But having a call, getting some flowers and really doing something super special to make that student's days. I just remembered that story. I love
2: that story. Thank you. And thank you both so much for your time here. We appreciate you joining us here on The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange.
0: The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State or the U.S. government.